0: shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina.
1: Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today is one of my friends and colleagues at MSNBC, Katie Turr. She has a brand new memoir out called Rough Draft. It's a follow-up to her first book, which it was a best-selling book, by the way, which was unbelievable, all about her time covering Donald Trump's campaign. But this one focuses on her childhood and the crazy um, moments um, with her parents growing up in a helicopter. Good morning. I'm so excited for this book because it's, it's some stuff that I knew about you. I mean, I know you in real life. But this is all this is a lot of stuff that I had known about you just from reading your other book um, and reading interviews with you and seeing your parents in documentaries um, about, you know, really, really, um, you know, important moments in American history. And this book, I think um, it's so honest and refreshing um, and (laughs) interesting. So I want to start with your childhood um, because I think you know, most people probably are familiar with you because of your you're on air, your your work on, you know covering Donald Trump and all of that craziness, um, which was a focus of your first book. But this book really focuses on how you grew up in a helicopter that was flying around Los Angeles, um, capturing some of the major news events that we all sort of have in our mental Rolodexes, like the bronco chase and the la riot. So I want to start there and and just give us just a little bit of color and backstory and setup in terms of who your parents were um in the world of journalism and how you ended up growing up in, inside of
0: a helicopter. So I wrote about the Trump campaign in my last book and and it was a wild ride and that's not making a, ju- a value judgment on it but it was just fundamentally a wild ride and this puts that to shame. I mean, the way that, that I grew up is unlike the way that anybody else grew up um, in its details, although some of the undertones might be familiar to a lot of people. But the my parents started a company called Los Angeles News Service. They started it from nothing. When my dad was 18 and my mom was 23, um, they convinced a helicopter company to give them a helicopter with no money and a business plan that seemed insane. Also, my dad had a a girl for a cameraman. Um, And it worked. They got the leads. Uh, They took to the skies. My dad learned how to pilot. My mom learned how to shoot video. She would hang out of the helicopter with just a seatbelt around her, essentially. And she would look down at the ground at a story unfolding below her. And she would hold that helicopter on her shoulder for... Sometimes hours at a time. It's it's truly incredible just looking down and, and onto the ground. And by the way, she's afraid of heights. So they I'm shot while they too, were. So up as you're describing this, I'm like, whoa, I'm really scared but She she would always say that so long as she was looking through the viewfinder, she didn't feel scared because she felt there was a separation. Like she wasn't actually there. She was watching it on television. Mm-hmm. Um. But so they shot the the OJ chase. They found OJ on the slow speed pursuit. Um, they, they were first to that. They had it for like 10 minutes, which is a lifetime in TV news. Um, they covered the LA riots and captured the most famous footage from the riots, which is the aftermath of, 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 of um, Rodney King, but they got the Reginald Denny beating, which is the yeah. the guy that got pulled from the red gravel truck and beaten my, my mom and my dad found bullet holes in the rotor blades of the helicopter. There was a bullet, um, damage to the battery beneath her seat which is terrifying um thank god that battery was there every police pursuit you saw in los angeles in the 80s and 90s or the 90s really my parents shot they shot madonna on her clifftop wedding to sean penn for that short-lived marriage madonna gave my dad the finger um (laughs) all of the most wild stuff from LA in the in the 80s and 90s my parents have on video and we own all the video so it's a family legacy that I've inherited Mm -hmm. um in the form of a a giant hard drive which contains thousands (laughs) of hours of news footage
1: but it it really because you know the the book is rough draft and in a lot of ways it's it's history that's what's on the hard drive it's it's American history because you know these news events they weren't just news events they were they were cultural moments they were you know points in that we all remember um because there were there was so much going on around those specific news events i mean how does that inform you know your work because do you naturally grow up in a helicopter follow your parents around as they're they're (laughs) um you know in the skies documenting all of this history in the news and do you naturally navigate to being a reporter? Or is that something that, you know, is influenced by them?
0: It is it nature versus nurture? My brother would say no because he's a doctor. <laughs> um, he was He's a smart one in the family. I, excuse me, would have said no initially because I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer, something stable, something that I knew everybody would always need. And even back then, the news business was contracting and weird and changing and my parents running it fell apart pretty spectacularly um and it left a a bad taste in their mouth it left a bad taste in my mouth but there was something about the adrenaline rush of Mm -hmm. it and the and the the knowing of the news I mean I'm I'm a curious person I love knowing something first Mm -hmm. and then explaining it to you I love Mm -hmm. the discovery of it I love the adventure of it Um, I love telling people stories and I, I, although I was avoiding that it, I came face to face with it when I was in college and I'm driving back to school from LA with my boyfriend at the time. And like any normal 20 year old, I was like, Oh, the cops have blocked off a a Malibu highway because there's a fire. Let's just get in there and go see it. And my boyfriend's like, why? Let's just go back to school. And I said, no, I I really got to see this. Like, I don't, I just, I have to get in there. And so I pulled out this this press pass, and, and Zerlina, um, this press pass was my grandmother's press pass, because she was also <laughs> part of the family business, who had since died. My dad took my 10th grade yearbook photo, which I had short hair in, so he thought I looked older. My 10th grade yearbook photo, pasted it over my, my grandmother's picture, covered every letter of her name except for the Y, so technically, I wouldn't be impersonating somebody else. I was Yter, <laughs> and um, handed it to me and said, "Use this. This is your press ID, and this is this is a government issued ID. This is issued by the California Highway Patrol." I pull out this press ID, which is fake, um, and I show the officer, and he looks at it, and I think, "Oh God, he's going to know. He's going to know," and he looks at me. He asked me a couple questions about where my gear is or my news crew, because I'm just this girl in in an old beat up Jeep. And I said, oh, they're up ahead. And for some reason, he decides to believe me. He lets (laughs) me through. And and my boyfriend turns to me and he says, word for word, I have never seen you more confident than you were lying to that officer. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I thought, wow, wow. Maybe I should stop avoiding the news and, and pursue it. Um I later I later learned, I should have known this at the time. I later learned, Zerlina, that, that using a um, a fake ID is a felony. So- oh yeah, no, I'm pretty
1: sure that <laughs> so, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> thanks, Dad. <laughs> There's some frying print involved.
0: Um <laughs> but
1: yeah, no, I, I I love that story. I mean I, I cause I think that there is there is um there is a natural Um, inclination towards running towards the story as opposed to people who are like oh yeah there's a fire over there but I'm what's for dinner um and I think that there is there is some that's that's natural I I don't there is some nurture there but I think that you are inclined to run towards the story um one of the things that you said um and I don't want to sort of give the impression that everything in your childhood and your upbringing was rose rainbows and flowers and happy times, because I think, you know, with, with most people, it is much more complicated than that. Um, but one of the things I read that you said is that, um, you know, covering Donald Trump uh, and <laughs> and the and the craziness and unbelievable nature of that campaign, you know, you were sort of were built for that because of of the type of person um, that your your father is um and and was growing up so can you talk a bit about about that and and sort of some of the things that you saw growing up that may have prepared you to cover a mercurial candidate and person human like donald trump because so, you know <laughs> you were you were uniquely called out you had a nickname the whole yeah the whole gamut
0: little katie i am yeah. little. so it, it was you are it was you a, are an abs smaller you're like Hillary Clinton
1: size. That's like, you know, petite.
0: I'm five, three on a good day. Uh, <laughs> that's what I like to say. My Wikipedia bio says I'm six, three and <laughs> people come up to me on the street and they say, Oh my God, I thought you were, your bio says you're six foot three. And I say, Oh gosh. That's and so insane. I know about it and I, I have never changed it because I love the idea of people thinking that I'm six foot three and then seeing me and realizing that that's I'm
1: hilarious. Not that's so funny.
0: <laughs> a full foot shorter. Um, so, yeah, I, one of the biggest questions I got, and I think even you asked this, was how the hell did you do that campaign and, and why did you stick with it? And why did, you, why, did it, why did you not crumple in the face of the onslaught? And, and the standard answer is I'm a journalist. I was curious. Of course, I was going to be there to see it. It was history unfolding before my eyes. Who, would, who in their right minds, if you're a journalist, would run away from that? But it's a little more complicated than that, as you say. And, and I try to answer the question of why I was not freaked out by Donald Trump and, and the attacks in the book. And it's because it, he was so familiar to me and, and not the details of what he was saying and, and not the, the way he was or the, the values that he had, but his personality and his way of interacting with the world And people is very similar to the way my dad interacts with the world. Um, And I just fundamentally understood how to um, manage a personality like Mm. that. And I would get calls from my mom or or family friends in the middle of the campaign. And they would say, oh, my gosh, he sounds so much like your father. And it's not, again, not what he was saying, but the way that he was bombastic and pushing and um uh, just the way that Donald Trump is if you take the if you take the content of the words out of it mm-hmm. and um I, you know I don't they're not the same person but I write in the book that uh, if they were both looking for a therapist I would recommend the same one <laughs> I mean,
1: everybody should get a therapist. You should. Everybody should work through these things because, um, <laughs> well, particularly COVID in twenty twenty two. I think um, you know we process a lot on this show, <laughs> and when it was me and Jess, we would just have our therapy sessions. Like we're gonna oh, make gosh, it through COVID. I bet um, that would well,
0: be nice. <laughs> I was alone in my basement. I felt so isolated. I I was well, losing my mind down there. Honestly, I like the darkest you. demons came into my head. I was not okay. Well, I feel
1: you on that because, you know, I and I lucked out in a lot of ways um, in the first part of the pandemic. I'm now alone. But for the first two years, well, for the first like year and eight months, I was with my family in Virginia because I think I've told you before. My dad's a scientist. And so my dad got me out of Brooklyn like before it locked down. I think, like, maybe I saw you, and the next day I was on a plane going to Virginia. Like, I, you know, and then I stayed in the woods for a really, really long time. So I wasn't completely alone, but I was isolated, like, from civilization. Like, um, I was in the woods, um, and, like, there were real animals and frogs and snakes, and I was like, what is this? I'm from Brooklyn. I Um, like that. There were real
0: animals. (laughs) 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 It's true. I woke up, and I, I heard the birds. I'm in Brooklyn. And I heard the birds chirping in the morning and it freaked me out. Selena. I was like, what is going on? What are these animals? I'm not, I'm not used to hearing them. I could hear the Staten Island fairies corn every morning. Mm. And it took me a few days to realize what I kept hearing. I was like, what is that horn?" And it was the St- And I don't live close to the Staten Island fairy. Right, That's right. how quiet it was. No, the pandemic um, I think
1: was the great disruptor Um, and it sort of put us all, um, in similar situations in the sense that like everybody's life had to change, but it depends upon your circumstances in how it affected you. Um, specifically, one of the other questions I have for you is about just being a woman in television. (laughs) Um, because I could relate to a lot of what you were talking about, especially fighting with a teleprompter that i very much intimately oh, can the teleprompter connect with. can be
0: your, your best friend or your it. worst enemy. Yeah. It's not my friend. It's hard. It's, it's not hard my friend. It's a really, it, <laughs> At it, all. it seems you'd think it would be easy. You think it would just be easy to sit down and start reading, but you realize very quickly that you have to, your face has got to be reading like the mannerisms of your, the, 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 the looks on your face have to be reading alongside the words. You have to know the intonation. You have to be bigger than you would be if you were just talking to somebody. Yep. It takes a long time to to not look dead as you're reading the <laughs> de- <so> teleprompter. True. <laughs> it is and it's hard. And, and you have to, if you're thinking too much, you can't read. So you right. have to surrender to it, but also be nimble enough to catch when when something is wrong and to work around it. You also you have to you have to feel the words and understand the words but not be holding on too tight to the words. It helps if you are writing everything yourself. It's very hard to read somebody else's words, which I learned quickly, even though, mm-hmm. even if it was great writing, it was like putting on a shoe that was my yeah. size, but worn by somebody else. It, it was worn in all the wrong areas, even though technically my foot fit into it. It takes a while. It's a hard thing to do.
1: I find this, um, validating
0: <laughs>
1: um yeah because no, it's, I, it's, it's not easy it's it's one of the hardest things um and again like you assume it's going to be easy because like i know how to read you know how to read we all know how to read um <laughs> yeah, exactly. but reading on how camera is not is it's not as easy as it looks and i i you know sometimes go back and just well it, it helps me to look back at old clips because then I can see that I have improved at something, <laughs> but I'm also like, yes. oh my god, yes. I was that bad. this, this yes. is scary.
0: Um, it's horrifying to look at old <laughs> clips. But you want you asked me about you asked me about uh, yeah. uh, coming up in the news business, and i let me answer that question because um, so the book is I, just to to be clear, the book talks about my parents' uh, careers. It talks about some scary stuff that happened in my childhood, but it also talks about how all that influenced my career now, and I tell yeah. some pretty funny stories about um coming up in journalism i say funny because i look back on them and laugh but they're also horrible Uh, (laughs) um, i you know i started a small station called news 12 uh the bronx in brooklyn and it's the actual tagline is as local as local news gets we would not cover a story unless it was in one of those boroughs i couldn't even if manhattan was burning down i wouldn't cross the (laughs) river to cover manhattan burning down i was only me specifically, only in Brooklyn. So if it didn't happen here, it just didn't happen. And um, to get this job, I had to do this three-week tryout. I passed the tryout. And the news director calls me into his office. And he says, I love your work. You did a great great job. I want to hire you full-time. But your face cannot appear on my network until you do a few things. And one of them was cut your hair, cut your hair short my hair was long cut your hair short he handed me Zerlina, he handed me a literal binder of women it was a binder oh. full of women and he said you can cut them like any of these women and they were like magazine uh, ripouts of short blonde haircuts it looked like the kind of cuts you would see in the front of a of a mall salon in 1992 <laughs> <laughs> and they were very stripy highlights and I thought oh my gosh this is so not me he said I can't have my name My name Katie was already taken by another Katie in the news business. He was talking about Katie Kirk. So I had to be Catherine, even though I've only ever been Catherine in my life when I've been in trouble. So that was weird. More formal than I am. And uh my boobs were too big for my clothes. (laughs) And he he literally he 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 didn't he might not have said boobs, he might have said breasts, he might have just pointed with a with a, a pencil, but the, the message was, your boobs are too big, find a way to make them look smaller. And I, I just remember thinking in the moment, oh my God, I am mortified that he is calling out this physical att- attribute of mine. But also, yes, I understand, okay, I'll do it. And I did all those things. And, I, and Catherine Turr with a short haircut and, and a blazer essentially <laughs> around her. Right. An oversized blazer appeared on tv in brooklyn and it was just the beginning of um of a career where i had to fight through being a young woman and to Mm. be taken seriously there was a, a point for where another assignment editor at another station sent me to cover i would they would assign me the stupidest stories because i was a young woman so Instead of going to breaking news, I would go to, uh, I would do gossip girl stories. Like I had this intense interest in talking about gossip girl, um, like fashion segments. <laughs> I, there was a, it was the fad when stripper pole exercising was a big thing and everyone was doing it. And the, oh, yeah. and the assignment editor said, oh yeah, you should go do that story. Hey, do you have any stripper shoes you can wear to do it? And I remember mm. looking at him and saying, you know, go F yourself. No, I do not. And no, there's no way. I'm doing this exercise on camera. I mean, do it for yourself, fine. I might do it on my own, but I'm right. definitely not doing it on camera. Like, this is gonna, it'll stay with me for my career. Are you crazy? Um, I'm really
1: glad you didn't do that. <laughs> me
0: too. Way, I'm so in hindsight. Glad. <laughs> Although you could probably find my Gossip Girl fashion segments, which, which you're talking about looking at yourself, re- rereading the teleprompter when or reading the teleprompter at the beginning of, of your uh, anchoring. And you should, you'll be horrified about how bad I was doing uh, these segments. But it was, um, you know, I I got some advice from an executive producer along the way who was a mentor of mine, but ended up leaving the station I was at and, and leaving me floundering, saying that you should never do an assignment that is not hard news. You should only be going to breaking news and hard news because nobody will take you seriously unless you have that foundation. And I imagine that's not a conversation he would have had with a guy because a guy just immediately is taken seriously. Um, but it was good advice for a woman at the time. I find that there's, there's a
1: lot of that. that, that happens often, especially in the industry like TV where it's, it's advice that's really, really helpful in helping you navigate this completely messed up <laughs> situation where, where you're getting judged um, you know, because you're a woman, because you're young um, and people are taking you less seriously. Katie, I wish we had more time. I think I'm talking to you again too. For, for my other Me show too. later. So I, I'll just ask the rest of my questions <laughs> later on. <laughs> there's a
0: lot. There's so today. much more in there, including some some media judgments that I think so, your viewers would. Yes. Interesting. So we'll get into
1: that um, uh, in and your uh, listeners in our in our extra bonus conversation rough draft is the book katie tur is the anchor from msnbc thank you so much for being here this morning thank you, I, hope you stay safe. I hope to see you soon in person um when it's safer please stay safe out there thanks for listening to mornings with zerlina check in for new episodes every weekday